0: The following podcast is a Dear Media production. All right, let's talk about the kids
2: for a moment. Because studies have shown that kids have gotten behind in math because of the pandemic. We want to stay on top of it and make sure that's not happening. So Mathnasium is something that really, really works. Because Mathnasium mainly works with kids grades 2 through 12, and they are the authority on math education. It's all they teach, and they're experts at it. And math can be a really common thing for kids to struggle with. And so this is a really great way to get them excited, to get them really have a focus on learning. And it's something that they're going to carry with them for the rest of their lives. Kids learn in center or online, truly whatever works best for you. Either way, it's the same face-to-face learning with instructors who really care. Chances are there's a mathnasium near you. When I looked it up, there is one seriously in my town. It was like 15 minutes from my house. There are over a thousand of them across the country. Mathnasium is truly a great place for a kid to learn math and they teach in a way that makes sense to kids and they make it fun. I know that sounds like an oxymoron, but it's true. Every child is assessed individually. So Mathnasium uses customized learning plans to give them exactly what they need along the way. If your child is a little behind in math... Mathnasium will help bridge that gap. They need to move at a faster pace and be challenged. Mathnasium will help step on the gas and raise that level of work. And what they teach goes above and beyond math. And I know it's easy for us to just say, yes, math is so important for your life, but they're also learning to think critically and to problem solve. They're learning confidence in their abilities overall as well. And Mathnasium <laughs> never assigns homework. <laughs> But they can actually help your kid with their homework from school, which is a dream come true if you're a parent as well. Whether you're looking to get your kid back on track or ensure that they're staying ahead of their math studies, you can find a center near you at mathnasium.com and you can contact them for a free in center or online consultation. That's Mathnasium. I'll spell it out M A T H N A S. IUM.com. Check them out for that free in center or online consultation. Thank you so much for listening. Our sponsors are the reason we get to do this show week after week, which is the best. So thanks to them and thanks for listening. Let's get back to today's show. I am truly so honored to bring this next guest on today. As you're going to discover through this episode, we have a very unique and special bond and she is one of my biggest life influences. She's one of those people that I'm in her DMs and she's in mine sharing life, sharing voice notes, and it's actually lended itself into this incredible relationship But more than that, she's a creator who is doing so much. She is a mom of three and an entrepreneur and a content creator. And one of the people that I just feel like if I could have one impact on the world, it's telling people to follow her. So please welcome Tash Haynes, my dear friend, and uh, one of the best people that I think I've, I've ever met. And we've never technically met in real life, but that'll come. Enjoy today's show. Tash, thank you so much for coming on. You have become such a dear friend of mine. We met online when we both discovered we were pregnant and due within the same week. And that was, that was a difficult year. Like that was a, that was a difficult pregnancies. It was a pandemic. And I felt like a a relationship blooming out of those circumstances was one of the most special things to happen to me in my lifetime, truly, to be able to share in that experience with you. And then ultimately, you gave birth three days before to your daughter, Glory, and Lemmy came three days later. We cannot wait to get these little babies together. But give everyone kind of the introduction into who you are and... Yeah. Let's, let's just start there.
1: Okay. So what's funny about that story is that glory wasn't due until the end of January. So we were actually, like I know. Weeks apart. And then I like was so stressed, I guess, from the year and the craziness of 2020 that mm. like I'm coming and I'm like, yeah, yeah, cause we need you. We need some joy and some happiness here. So I am a professional photographer, content creator, which I've just started saying here in the last couple of weeks. Based out of Tacoma, Washington, I have three little baby girls: uh, Wisdom, who is nine; Courage, who is two; and Glory, who is ten months. And I have been in entrepreneurship since I was twenty-seven, so oh, wow. almost like fifteen years. And I grew up in foster care. So it was just really important to me to like frame my life the way that I wanted to and to kind of live a life that I dreamed of just because so
0: much of my life
1: was decided for me the first part of it. So that's kind of what I have been doing the last 20 years is just kind of deciding like what kind of life I want to lead and just going for it over and over again.
2: Now, how do you find your experiences in, you know, being a foster child and going through like that system and coming into being a mother, being an entrepreneur, all these things that kind of were dreams. How do they actually, have there been moments that they truly have intersected or that, that experience of your childhood has lended itself into your time now? And I ask this because I've had a lot of conversations with people who have had really difficult childhoods and then they write themselves off from motherhood because of that. They fear the cycle. They fear contributing to it. They fear not being able to break it or not being able to live up to their expectations of what a mother can be or what it is to have a family and a home. And you've really done that. You've kind of you you have this beautiful family you live this really amazing life and you contribute to society in such beautiful ways and yet you have a story that we don't often hear and that is not one that it, and it should be heard i mean a lot of times we should be having focus on you know reconciliation and all of this stuff but i do feel that i would love to hear how it really has been not a positive thing, but like how good has come out of that?
1: Yeah. So that's wow. There's a lot in that, Sarah. Number one. I'm sorry. <laughs> I had to, you know, I I did kind of grow up not feeling like I couldn't be a mom, but just like really, uh, I guess, driven by my ambition and just really wanting mm. like a certain kind of life. And I don't know that I like saw motherhood as a part of that, but I always wanted to be mothered. Mm. And so I think that having kids for me has been a way of healing that like mother wound. There's a a woman that I follow named Jennifer Arnais and she talks about the mother wound and like how it impacts our choices and the things that we do. And and to your point, like so many of us, uh, we put off or we stay away from the thing that we think we're not going to be good at because of Mm. our own trauma or whatever. And I think for me, I just was, I'm pretty competitive. And so I'm like, You know what? Like that sucked. That 18 years of yeah. life, that, that really sucks. My mom is developmentally delayed. So it's not that she she gave me up because she didn't want mm-hmm. me. She gave me up because she couldn't raise me. Like she just yeah. didn't have the capacity. And so how do you how do you get angry about that? You know, yeah. how do you hold that? And so for me, it's always been, I'm gonna be the one that changes like our family line. Like I'm gonna change our legacy and I'm gonna write something different because ultimately, um, I'm driven by my faith, but ultimately like my mother, she had a role to play. And if her only role in life was to have me like, what, how do I carry this baton forward? Right. And so, wow. It's just been really important to me to, to, to make sure that my family line, my, my mom's name represents something special that we don't minimize like her role in all of this, you know? And so that just has been my thing and, and, and raising my kids to have a life where they don't have to recover at least from not the same traumas as me. They're probably going to, for up. sure. Our parents, they were so blah, blah, blah. And I'm going to be like, girl, bye. Of course they are.
2: We were so awesome. Of course they yeah, are. Though.
1: But yeah, like, I just, I feel like the more I lean into motherhood and the more I own my version of motherhood, the more I heal and the more I can like separate myself from my past and kind of move forward with like kind of this new identity And that was a really big part of it. Like I had to divorce myself from the old story so that I could kind of write the new one. And so it is a part of like who I am, but it's not all that I am and who says that that has to be like what defines me. And so that has been kind of the the driver forward
2: divorcing yourself from your old story i don't think that that i don't think i've ever heard anybody say anything like that that is incredibly profound and and honestly i think such a beautiful thing because like you said, you're healing through motherhood. And and I think there's a lot of people who identified for, through different parts, maybe not growing up in foster care and having a very different look at what motherhood might be like, or those different, I don't know what your experiences were in terms of those mothering types of relationships. But ultimately, a lot of people don't see themselves. and I And I- 100% respect anybody who chooses not to have kids. I think that's like a, a, such an admirable thing to choose. But a lot of people it's are making no. that choice in fear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there's a lot of fear in you know, I don't, I don't like mummy groups or I don't like the idea of having to give up my life for this. I want to work. I want to pursue a career. I want to do this, or I want to raise my kids. I want to be at home. And there's all of these, I'm not going to lie. Like, obviously there's door shoppers for a lot of people, but ultimately sometimes I think a lot of us get caught up in what we thought motherhood would look like and what the realization that you can actually through parts of it, define it for yourself. And you, you do something that uh, well first of all let me ask you this question you just said that in the last couple of weeks you're calling yourself a content creator <laughs> and i need to call you out on that for a hot second cuz how are you just in the last couple of weeks you're one of my favorite follows your content not only does it come out and it's like just joy filled it's actually joyful but you bring that content creator i'm not even going to say the word influencer but you bring it to the forefront of hey, this is something like, this is a brand that's supporting us. I'd love your support in the work we're doing. I've never, ever seen somebody just call out the fact that this is work and that people are like brands support that work and that it's okay to ask for support in in, in doing that work. Everyone's so like, oh, I'm just going to sneak an ad in. I'm just going to do this. I'm just going to pretend that I just Pay my bills by magic. Magic money trees in my backyard. Ah, and I'm just gonna sneak mm-hmm. that, sneak that lot. Of and you're just like, no. This is the brand we're working with. This is what we're doing. Would love your support. Oh, I need on this support. post. No, or- I would
1: love. Like you need to click. Yes. So we can. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Come on,
1: swipe up. Don't play. Yes. I just okay. So I wanted to. I wanted to go back to something that you said when I said divorce yourself. I wanted to like kind of elaborate on that. I think we carry our our heartaches and our traumas like a badge because a lot of times they make us special. It's a part of our story. And for me, like growing up in foster care for the longest time was the thing that made me special, I thought, right? And it wasn't until like I was able to kind of take that and reimagine and reimagine like what my life would look like and recognize that that wasn't like the badge that made me stand out. I was able to kind of go, okay, well, what, what are the things that make me special and how do I bring those to the forefront? And I say all of that because it leads me to this content creation thing. Like I have been obsessed with pictures since I was a little tiny thing, probably five really? years old. Yeah.
0: Oh, and wow.
1: I wanted a camera for so long and it was this foster care, like gifts and kind thing when I was 13, that gave me my first camera. And I didn't I didn't start shooting because I couldn't afford to and I didn't know and, you know, didn't have classes until much later in life. But that that passion was there from the beginning. And so I think like inside of me, I've always been a bit of a content creator, but didn't didn't speak to it in that way. Obviously, the like, language has changed as we have like, grown into this new like, digital age. I think when you just do something or you're just drawn to something naturally, like putting a label on it makes it feel you are just it's that imposter syndrome. Right. So I've been taking pictures for the better part of most of my adult life now. And it's just like, how do I pivot into like now I'm this thing? And then you see all these beautiful, amazing content creators like Paige Armenta
2: or like all of these. Oh, Paige Armenta. I know. And I'm just how and she has imposter syndrome. I've talked to her about it. It's just like it blows my mind. And so you're just like, man, like I'm not
1: I'm nothing like them. So how could I actually call myself this thing? But now I'm just kind of like we we all have our things that are special that bring us to the table or that we bring to the table. And a lot of my content is really like I just want to leave every space that I enter better than how I left. I want to challenge people to be better, to think differently, um, to rise to the occasion. And so that is how I, that's how I show up on Instagram and really, especially after 2020, like showing black joy, showing black families, showing like different images of black men raising my, my husband's raising girls. All girls are like, what what marriage looks like or what family looks like, and really trying to promote those images forward so that people start to humanize like the Black experience and the Black family and Black people. And I feel called to that so much right now. And so that's a big part of, of how I show up online.
2: Whenever I say the word pleasure, I kind of climb up a little bit if I'm honest, but I'm Trying to be better about seeking pleasure in every area of my life. And I think you should too. From how we start our mornings to how we wind down at night and everything in between, we deserve to enjoy it all. That's why I love Dipsy Stories. Dipsy Stories wants you to find joy and confidence in and out of the bedroom. But what is Dipsy Stories? Well, it's an app full of sexy audio stories. And now they have a brand new written stories. No matter who you're into or what turns you on, Dipsy helps brings the stories to life anytime, anywhere. There are hundreds of stories to choose from and they release new content every week. So there's always more to explore. They also have incredible wellness sessions to help you wind down and explore and sleep sessions to help you drift off. For listeners of our show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash papaya. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash papaya. That's dipsystories.com slash papaya. Let's get comfortable with our pleasure.
0: Heck, let's seek it out. Now let's get back to today's show.
2: I have to say, when you say you want to leave rooms better than how you found them, I, my mom always said that to me too. And it's always stuck with me. And And it took me a while to apply that to the online space, that that is technically a room we're entering into squares. They are rooms and we do leave impact. And I have to tell you this, I talk about your, I talk about you behind your back all the time to people. And everyone's always like, I freaking love Tash. And I share your, I'll share like one of your posts and my stories and people are like, I love her. Like she's just the best. And that is truly the impact that you're having on people. And I, I just want to say that to you. Cause you're one of my, like, I look up to you so much. I remember when I first started following you, I didn't know you were also a photographer. And I was just like, how are you taking pictures? Like I, they're so, how do you get babies to sit? How, what is going on here? I just am so in awe, but I also have to call into, you know, you said like that black experience, but even in the online space, it is totally, that's one of the biggest things I learned in 2020. I was never asking when I got brought onto a campaign, I never asked the question about who else, who else is on your roster? Who else are you working with? how is like, is this fair page? I started following pages that were talking about the inequality of the page of the pay gaps, even within black creators and white creators on Instagram. And I was mind blown at that. So knowing it's rough out here. Yeah. I wanted, so I wanted to ask like, how did you end up being able to kind of move into a space that was paying so unequally? at, inequality in why did that sound so weird i don't know words are hard but how did you end up coming into a space that you knew ultimately wasn't always being fair was not being equal when it comes to you know representation or even paying properly or fair wage did you find that there has been a bit of a struggle or do you just like now you're like i know my worth i know how good i am at what i do like how how has that been for you it definitely has
1: been a struggle and you know the hardest part is like when something is a struggle and you know it's, it's the worst when you know that you're being mistreated and you feel like you can't say anything because you don't want to be mistreated further, you know? And I think like for, for me, I won't speak like overall for, for the black experience, but I know that I've spent so much of my life feeling like once you have good, leave better alone. And so that's kind of like been the mindset. It's like, you know, yeah, I'm being mistreated, but they could move on to someone else. So let me just like deal with this or let me just go with this. And I think one of the advantages that I have in the influencer space, and I feel like this is the separation like gap between people who find success and people who are just like kind of on there trying to figure it out is I came from a background of business. And so I know how business works. And I know that there is this like time period where you have to kind of pay your dues and you have to prove that you can do the work and that you can deliver on time, high quality, whatever. Once I felt like I had Proven that and had put in like a little bit of sweat, I was just like, okay, I'm not proving anymore. Like, this is just my own line in the sand about what I'm able to do, what I'm capable of delivering, and I'm not going to go back. And so things got better. Of course, I was able to kind of negotiate better. And I do call brands out. I will look at their pages and I will look at their website and I will just be like, when was the last time that you worked with Black careers prior to 2020? And what is it about me that makes you want to work with me? And if they can't answer those questions, then it's probably not a brand I'm gonna work with because I will not be nice, you know? So I think the few times that I've called brands out, if they've not been able to like speak to why they haven't, they've apologized profusely. And they're just like, we understand that we have like really missed the mark here and we need to do better. And I think like it's about not being afraid to stand up for yourself and to speak up. Like we have nothing to lose by just calling people out and and going, Hey, like this, this is really disappointing. Like you can do better and I'll either help you do better or I won't, but these are the things that I would
0: expect to work with you and kind of see where things go from there.
2: I have been super honest about the fact that I struggle to drink water. It's an ongoing theme in my life. Staying hydrated is not something that I'm very good at making a priority until I found the HydroJug. And HydroJug is, honestly, it's a really pretty water bottle. And it's just one that I actually use because I feel like it actually fits my lifestyle. And I love their colors. I love how it looks. I love how I, I love the straw. I love the spout. I love how easy it is to carry it around. I love that. I don't have to refill it a bunch of times because it holds so much. It has actually helped me drink more water. I recently had a skin scan done on my face and they were like, you are looking so hydrated. I'm like, thanks. I actually am drinking water my water. Hydro drug holds half a gallon of water. So you're actually going to hydrate more and refill less. It has a leak proof seal. So water stays in the bottle and off your clothes or bag. It has a wide mouth opening. It makes it super easy to add ice like I do or fruit. And it also has an integrated handle, which makes it super easy to carry and drink from, and all their products are BPA free. Right now, you can go to thehydrojug.com. Once you do, the obsession begins. You can use discount code papaya to get 10% off your order today. Hydrojugs are game changers for anyone on the go. So again, use code papaya at thehydrojug.com to get 10% off and start hydrating today and look so cute while doing it. Trust me, you'll get it when you see them. Head on over, use that coupon code and get yourself hydrated. Let's get back to the show. And I need to take this moment to kind of, if somebody listening is a, a person who is not of color, a white woman like myself, potentially who has moved through the space a lot easier. I mean, not saying that it was always fair in the beginning. I mean, they used to throw $50 at me and ask for 20 things and I'd be like, okay, cause I didn't want to lose that. But ultimately it, it's not, you say that you've got nothing to lose. And I think this is a good time to say it's on us, it's on me as a white woman to have something to lose to this. It's on me to say, how are you paying the other creators? How it like, is it equal? Like I, it's part of our, for instance, I was asked to be a part of a speaking thing next year. And I looked at who they had committed and it was only white women. So we added it into the contract that at least 50% of the speakers and paid creators had to be BIPOC community. Nobody's seeing that kind of stuff behind the scenes. And obviously I'm talking about it right now because I do want to remind people like that is part of this work. It is part, it's not just for, it's not just for black women like yourself fighting for their equal pay. It's not for you to go in and be like, where is your diversity and inclusion? And, and I'm trying to get away from saying inclusion because somebody taught me that inclusion is like including them into whiteness as opposed to broadening it to, you know, everyone. So with that said, it is on us to be like, if, I've had to say no to brands when they haven't if they have only white women to bow out and be like I'd like for you to give my spot to a person of color. I'd like for that money to be spent on somebody. I don't always know if it works that way, but part of building long-term partnerships with brands is making sure that your core ethics are aligning. And that's not something that was part of my core ethic 2 years ago. That became a core ethic as I moved through it and as I learned about the inequality here. So yeah, you might lose on some things sometimes because of that. If that, like for instance, that speaking gig next year, if they don't miss that 50%, it's in my contract, I'm out, right? Like it's it's on them now to if they want me there as a keynote, that they have to make sure that there is that representation there, or I'm not going to be a participant. And I hope they fill that spot with somebody who like you. Hopefully, I'm just gonna give them I'm just gonna give you my spot.
1: <laughs> I need to stop you for a second. Okay, because it's 2020. Me when all of these black creators got this influx of following like you were one of the followers that started following me
2: yeah and i was i
1: remember a couple people being like oh my gosh birds papaya like she's so amazing and i was like dead set on not following back because i was like, i was like i am not going to follow another white creator with a bunch of followers like just to be whatever so I would like creep over to your page every once in a while, and I'd be like, "Gosh, I really like her. <laughs> I really like this person, but I just have to say this out loud just for your followers, just in case there's somebody that's listening that is like unsure of you and who you are and just your character. you guys, Sarah is the real deal. And I say this all the time. She just has, oh, I could get emotional because you're one of the the only creators who I know who has a big, huge following who actually uses their platform to really elevate and share voices that are underrepresented, that are not seeing ideas. And, and you do it in such a consistent, real way. It's not in a tokenization way. It's not in a way that is to like perform. And it's so beautiful. I tell, I tell my friend Monique all the time. I'm like, Sarah, is-
2: she's my, she's my educator. And I, I think we're working into a friendship. But she's my educator. Her anti-racism courses are incredible. I'm signed up again for 2022. I'm always
1: like, Yo, Sarah is Sarah is it, Yo? She is she is getting it, and she is doing the work. And I love her so much. Like she's amazing. And Monique's like, All right, all right. <laughs>
2: I know. You know what, Monique, when I I did an IG live with her once, but I was like, I followed her. I'll be honest. I was like, I think I hit a panic button when everything happened in 2020. I was like, I'm not following enough black people. I have to tell this story just for people to understand. I followed so many black creators in that moment, just being like, I need to be better. This is what I thought was better at the time. We know definitely just trying to like pacify that discomfort that I was feeling. And I got, I did so much of it that all of my ads switched over to like skincare and hair care for black women. I was like, that is how much I have gone to, I have, I was very, yeah. So, you know, I did, I did do what a lot of people did, which was try and pacify that feeling, that discomfort. I remember following Monique and she immediately DMs me and goes, I saw that you followed me. Why? And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm trying like to pacify it. a feeling. And she was like, I like, I don't remember what she said exactly. So I won't, quarter, but she kind that's
1: of, that's great. Thanks for following me, but make sure you do the work and make sure you other do other the classes.
2: work. Yep. Yeah. So I signed up for her class and I signed up for a class right after that, that I'm doing right now with Salam Debs in Canada. And then I'm back into Monique's class next year. And the reason I, I haven't ever been like really big in public about that, because there is that part of me that's like, you can't, come on to the space and be performative or doing it like that you've got to be doing it behind the scenes so if I'm doing it behind the scenes it naturally will start to show up and ultimately if I want to be somebody that is trusted by my black friends by the black community by bipoc members everywhere then that is my work to do that is my trust to be earned I can't just expect it so in the early days there was a lot of hesitation around creators like myself like why are you following me what is your thing here and at the beginning, it was not the intentions that it was now, but I have found, like for instance, even where I live, there is such a small majority of Black families. So I haven't even gotten to experience and see families like yours and get to have those, you know, experiences through the lens of social media, which is honestly been such a blessing. And then the fact that we shared our pregnancies, I learned same with Christian Gabrielle. Yeah, in, uh, I love her. And yeah, so she was another one and. I, ha- I learned so much through the differences, not just in our countries, but the differences in the uh, medical care and everything as what I was experiencing as a white woman in Canada versus what my black friends were experiencing in another country. And how- the mistreatment that was happening just I mean, I wouldn't have had that without those friendships and without that like trust that was there to be able to share in those stories and our experiences together. And so I, I just adore you. I love what you're doing. And I kind of want to ask this question because this last week, I don't know when this is airing, but in the last week, so, you know, I just was traveling this last weekend with the baby and I messaged you before, cause I had gone down the Google path of how do you travel with kids? Like, where is that? How do you travel with kids? And so ultimately I ended up messaging you. Cause I was like, I don't know. I know you're doing this. I don't know what to do. We've got pandemic babies. Let's be real. They're used to like their little spots inside the house. they go outside maybe to the grocery store if we even took them to that. And now we're like, let's hop on planes with them and bring them to hotels and have them stay. And you, this is what was mind blowing is through this experience of this last weekend. I was made very aware of how a lot of life was not designed to bring kids into it. It wasn't really designed for children. It was designed for adults. And so when you are a working mother who chooses to bring her children in or has to bring her children into things, it makes things incredibly uncomfortable. Walking into a plane and watching people's faces when you have a baby, there's one of two things that happen, either joy or, or like unhappiness, you see their face, like, uh, they have this, like, oh, like look on their face or you see it. You see, you read their emotions. People think they hide their faces so well. No, they do not. They're, they're not okay. And so when we were, and I just was so eye open to this and the whole weekend, I kept thinking about you going like, how have you, how have you built a career off of bringing your family through work experiences and traveling with them and ultimately bringing children into a space that they're not really overly welcome a lot of times. So tell me about how you got into doing, because a big part of what you do is like travel blogging as well. So now that the pandemic is not over, we're not there, but we're, you know, we're, we're in a space where we can travel again. Yeah,
1: so so this goes way back to when Wisdom was born. So my oldest daughter Wisdom is just turned nine years old, and my husband and I started our business. Wisdom was born in 2012. We started our business in 2010. So when she was born, we live here in Seattle, and all of our family is on the East Coast. So in 2007, when I married Ike, I found my mom's family. My mom was given up for adoption as well, and so we reunited on my wedding day. And that's when I met them, but they all were on the East coast with Ike's family. So we have like been here in the Northwest by ourselves, essentially with our friends and our, you know, chosen family. And so we didn't have a lot of options for childcare and we were broke, like broke business. So, we didn't have a choice. She had to come with us. So, from the beginning, she was on my back at photo shoots. We would bring her to weddings, and I would bring like a little cousin with me to hold her in a back room, and I would go nurse. But we launched a conference for five years, and she would be right on stage with me. Like, we have always had her with us when we would go and teach and speak. Like, it would be like, is wisdom coming? Because they knew that she was a part of our life. We just never had a business where she wasn't a part of it. And I think. For me, with motherhood and entrepreneurship, I when I decided I wanted to be a mother, I never wanted her to feel like the inconvenience because I was bringing her into our world, you know? And so for me, it was never an option to leave her. Like it always had to be that she was included or we couldn't come. And so part of that was also training her to kind of, you know, know what it's like when you're with mommy and dad or at work, right? And so that's just always been a part of our life. And then we had courage and it just was like, this is what we do at the time when
2: courage is spicy. I love her, her (laughs) attitude in photos. (laughs) <laughs> might be my favorite thing. Cause I can just feel your presence behind the camera being like, please child. And she's just like, no.
1: Yeah. So that's exactly who she is. So you basically <laughs> pinned her down. That is courage. Miss courage does what <laughs> courage wants. So courage is a little more difficult because she was born right before the pandemic. She was born in 2019. And so she didn't do all the things that her sister did. Like we had wisdom on the plane at two months. And so she had like really great training, whereas courage, she got on the plane pretty early. Like she did like Greece and Paris at like four months, but she doesn't remember any of that. So she doesn't have like this, like we're always getting on flight. So getting her in the flow of our life and who our family is, has been a little bit of a challenge. But again, it's like you teach your children through like habit and by continuing the thing, So we just travel and we make it happen. And she definitely throws her fits on the plane and does all the things. But one of the things that I've had to learn over the last two years is that when she's being two, it's not a reflection on my motherhood. Because I feel like when I would be on the plane and when she would be acting like a child, I would feel like they're looking at me and they feel like my kid's out of control because I'm a black woman and I can't get her together. And I had to kind of shift my mindset and go, she's two and hasn't had a nap and she's on an airplane and it's okay for her to break down. I've been on an airplane when other kids have like lost their mind and I'm a mom and I'm okay with that, you know? And so I had to kind of reframe how I'm being seen in my mind, whether people are annoyed or not, ultimately like she's a child and she's going to do what children do. And I don't need to make her be or act or behave in any other way. And even when um, we're on the plane and I'm like that, I'll, I'll walk onto a plane with my three kids and I'll be like, the people will be like, Oh, they're so cute. Is this their first fight? I'm like, no, not even close. And I'm like, and you don't have to worry. I will say that you don't have to worry. They know how to fly. Like they're not going to be a nightmare. Like it's going to be okay. And if they are, then they are. But ultimately, like I just like manage the expectations for everyone around, and also for my my girls. You know, yeah. I don't know specifically what you wanted me to answer. If that, no.
2: I think that's a huge part of it. I think one of my biggest things was I had so much anxiety even getting onto the plane. And a lot of it wasn't about how's Lemmy going to be and how's Lemmy going to respond. Of course, that was a layer of it. But it was ultimately what are the people around me going to respond and how am I going to be treated in that kind of space. And, you know, you gave me some really tangible tips on like how to bring the stroller and car seat through the airport. Like I had no idea. There's not a lot of available information. And so, you know, there was that part of it, but you know, on our flight home, our flight there was like, I wouldn't say dicey. I think it actually went really well, but because I was like so anxious, even like her little tiny outburst was like, (gasps) it felt like, so people would be like, how was the flight? And I'd be like, it was, it was okay. But I look back on it and I'm like, no, she never really had like any huge episodes or fits like I feel like we managed it really well, but it was our first time. So the flight home, we get on it again and she very much was like, okay, I know what's going on. So kind of to speak to your like building that habit. She understood almost similar to like what it was like to sleep in her crib for the first time. That first time was like, yeah, it was a little dicey. And the second time she's like, okay, I understand. I'm safe here. I understand what's going on. There's people around me. And after our flight, when we landed, the man in front of us turns around and he goes, I gotta be honest with you. I was pretty nervous when I saw that there was gonna be a baby On this flight. And he goes, but she did remarkable. What a good kid. You've done a great job. And I thought, and if she hadn't, what would you have done, sir? Like, how would you have been to me? Because she's a baby. And I actually have very little to no control over her only way to express how she feels, which is through crying. She doesn't have words. She doesn't have language. She's in a weird space. Her ears are popping. Like at one point, she like literally did a whimper and just like held onto her ear and you know, you told me about like making sure she had a pacifier, nursing her all the way up and on the way down. And, and she just refused nursing on the on the descending down, which was very out of character for her. So she's pulling out her ears in discomfort. And, you know, it, it just made me, the whole car ride home, I couldn't stop thinking about it. Like, how would you have been if my child didn't conform to your adult world? How would that have been for you? He would not have done a thing.
1: And I think what's important to remember too, right? Is like people on the plane are kind of like people on the internet. Like, they may be thinking things and they may, like, make faces, but they're not going to really say anything when they're face to face. And ultimately, most of the people on the plane have nieces, they have nephews, they have children of their own, their grandparents, you know, they're not, they understand what it's like to travel. I think we put, like, this insane pressure on ourselves to... Have our kids act like saints in situations that don't call for it.
2: Yeah, we want our children to act like adults and when they're babies and children like they that's what they are and and I think what I really felt coming away from this trip and why I really admire what you do is it actually was really good for us. I felt really connected to her for the first time in a while. Like it's not like we were cluster feeding and nursing like those early days having her strapped to my chest for like hours at a time and walking around and doing things. I felt so emotionally connected to every single bit of her day, which I I honestly haven't had in a while. I've been, you know, we have my mama's here today. Like she helps me with the kids when I'm working and doing different things, but to have concentrated time together like that was so special. And, and I felt like how I was treating it in my head was I was excited to bring her, but I also felt like she was going to be an inconvenience to my weekend away. And I understand like there, there is obviously needs for breaks and time where it is like just you as a human being not having to worry about if everybody has their shoes on and enough food in the bags. But making the choice to bring your kids into your adult world, it actually was incredibly magical. And I wish more people shared those stories of how fun and amazing it can be as opposed to what a nightmare it is and how difficult it is and how anxious all the parents are to try and like fit into this world that essentially, I mean like if nobody has ever changed their child in an airport bathroom I had a friend with me and I said to my mom, what would you do? Like, what if you have to go to the bathroom? Where does your baby go? There's nowhere for your baby to go. The change table had like no straps, nothing. So I was literally like, how am I going to wash my hands? How can I even like, there's so many things that run through your head that you're like, this is not built for anybody. Like this is not practical. What I found, what I have
1: found through travel is that I have become an extremely flexible human being. And I have allowed myself to go, we're gonna figure it out. Like travel makes mm. you figure it out. It makes you feel like there's nothing that you're gonna come up against that you can't just like do. Like wisdom and I just traveled recently with courage. And to your point about uh, you know, kids are baby, like being away from glory and just having courage and wisdom for a couple of days. Like I realize yeah. how much pressure I've been putting on courage to be the big girl because she's no longer the baby, but she's still very much a baby. And how I need to see her differently. And so that was so helpful for me. But also like when wisdom and I are traveling and it's just me, her, and the girls, I'm like, yo, like we are like a team. Like we be dapping it up. Like we have a process, like courage rides on the suitcase. Like we have like this whole system. And the more you do it, the more you find your stride. And when I listen to wisdom talk about our trips that we've been on or the things that we've done, the conferences that she's come to, there's such like a self-assuredness. There's a confidence. You want to talk about a child who does not have imposter syndrome? Meet my nine-year-old because she feels like she's going to be a photographer, a businesswoman, a YouTuber. And she feels like she can do it all because she's seen her mom do it. And she doesn't feel like it's a sacrifice because it's all she's ever known. All she's ever known is this lifestyle, this way. And I'm not saying it's for everyone. But I am saying that there's a different kind of confidence, of self-assuredness, of world experience that you get when you allow your kids to come along for the ride. I' seeing the fruit of that every day. my My kid is so confident. she She can talk to anyone, adults, kids, you know, important people. She's not intimidated. Like she knows how to stand up and give a presentation at nine years old because all she's ever seen is her mom. Speak from stages, you know? So it's not something that I've had to like teach her because she just, it's just in her. Like she doesn't know it any other way. And that's the kind of upbringing I would have loved to have because I've spent like 39 years believing in myself or trying to, you know?
2: Yeah. I think that's so special. And especially hearing that it's working even with those pandemic babies, because there is that certain of like people who gotten in the practice, but also that it's not too late. It's not too late to try. It's not too late to go out there and start traveling. Or, you know, if you can, if you have ability to bring your kids into like your workspace, into your lives, I think it's actually incredibly like you've said with wisdom, she's learned so much. She's grown in confidence. She has this awareness. I watched my baby go from what the heck is going on to like, she's an infant. And she had confidence on that second flight. Like there's no other way to explain it. She knew what was going on. And she was like, cool, we got this. And I mean, I think I've been approaching so much. I was a stay at home mom for a long time. And so I very much was like, well, I can't do things because I have the kids or like, it's too hard to do those things. And then once I got into working, it was all about like setting up the kids with child care and I would go. And after this last trip, I was like, I think I need to start figuring out ways to bring all my kids, not maybe all at once, but maybe one at a time, bringing them into the world and having these experiences. And that isn't going to make it easier for me. Let's be clear. It's not going to make it easier if I have the ability to do that. It's going to make it a little bit harder, but it is going to lend itself into their lives and into learning that you can really only get from real life. Stuff I can't read enough storybooks or show them enough movies about these types of things. Some of it, and the same with like restaurants. I used to be a server, and I've watched parents like literally sweat through dinners bringing their kids out, and you can tell those. You could tell the difference between kids who had been previously invited into the adult experience and those who had not. And I mean, as a mother, I was like, I don't care if you if you freak out this whole restaurant experience or if you're calm as a cucumber. I don't really care. There is, you know, I got it. But my husband and I, when you know, we, a lot of restrictions lifted and we started to be able to like go out for even a simple dinner, that decision of like, do we leave the baby or bring her those first couple of times are really stressful. They were like, there's no way around it. It was stressful. And we're like, oh my gosh, like, this is messy and she's crying and I have to like nurse them like so many times. And she knocked over a drink and all of this stuff would happen. And now she's like, I know what I'm doing. She just had like, we we're at a restaurant the other day and she had like fettuccine Alfredo. She's like, yep, yep, yep. Love it. They have to learn. Like, they have they learn to right? else. And also
1: we have to learn. And it's by, by us doing it, by me doing it. Now you're like, oh, I know someone who does this. Like she does it all the time. Let me reach out to her. And now you have done it. And you're going to free other people to think about doing it.
2: And oh, that's so many people. So many people were just like, oh, my gosh, like maybe I could. Yeah. And
1: if there were ever a time to do it, it's now because the world is is open. The world has changed our mindset around what it means to be out there. I would I just spoke on a travel trends panel for my airport. And we were talking about this like term of like revenge travel versus splurge travel and what's happening and what like the the trouble industry is seeing is a lot more families are like, you know what? Like, let's, when I have a work trip, I'm going to just bring my whole family because we're so, we're so used to now being together and we want to stay connected, but we still want to get like back out there, you know? And so you definitely, I'm sure freed so many people to be like,
2: yeah, I got this. Yeah. I can do this. Yeah. I know. And it's like we're literally in the process right now of getting all the kids their passports because we're like, it's time. We gotta we gotta start doing this. We gotta start having what? these experiences together. I know we don't like in Canada it was so different. But I will say I also I also have to note, it was actually pretty enjoyable at certain points. We got to get onto the plane first. Everyone was helping us. Everyone was like, can I get your bags? Nobody has ever asked. Like nobody's ever helped me like that. I got to bring in so many liquids. I had bags of liquids and nobody touched me because they're like baby food. Yes. And I was like, some of these are Dunkaroos from my kids that were souvenirs, but yes, <laughs> baby food. Yes. Uh, so there was a few people like yourself that was like, it, they're not going to touch you. Like there is nothing. There was obviously points of stress. I would say like through security, I had no idea that my, sleeping baby would have to get out of her car seat. I had no idea that there was going to be a lot of things like that, but in terms of like what you're allowed to bring on and through the things like I kept my car seat and I kept my stroller all the way through to the gate. And it met me when I got off the airplane. Had no idea that was a thing. Brought my car seat base with it, had it in the bottom of the stroller, got to our rental car, clicked it in, good to go. So many things that I hadn't even known what to do. I'd never even rented a car before, like before this trip. But I couldn't just like, I don't even know if you can just like hop in an Uber with a car seat. So I was like, all right, well, I got to have all this stuff with me. And so we rented a car. There is no better time to be talking about bloat. You know what? The holidays, it's happening. Things are going to go on. We are going to eat foods that are rich and our bodies are going to respond to that. This is why I love Array. Array was created to help women feel their best so they can be their best through targeted products, which are 100% natural, filler-free, organic, and formulated by a naturopathic doctor. This is where I love them. The blow capsules, they were designed to give people food freedom so you can enjoy the foods you love, especially around the holidays, without discomfort, gas, or bloating afterwards. And erased products work in under an hour, so you're actually going to feel the results. They solve that, those annoying problems that we talk to our girlfriends about. And the blow capsules are really versatile. They can be taken at any time. Whether you've had a plant-based meal that's making you gassy, did that this week, or something heavier like a pasta or pizza or mashed potatoes with cheese on top, it optimizes digestion with the use of five herbs and fruit-based digestive enzymes and it's completely laxative free, so you're not gonna be running to the bathroom. This is where I fall in love. Array worked with an eating disorder specialist to formulate their products and were very intentional about creating products that would give people relief from digestive issues without the possibility of using it for weight loss. They want to showcase, they want to show, and they really truly believe that every size and shape is beautiful and that no one should have to feel discomfort after meals. Plus, Array's products are super chic, so they really look cute on your shelf or in your bag. Trust me, mine's like on display in my living room because that's usually when I'm reaching for them. Right now, you can go to Array.com and use code PAPAYA at checkout for 10% off a one-time purchase or 25% off your first month on subscription. That's A-R-R-A-E.com and use code papaya. Again, that's 10% off a one-time purchase or 25% off your first month on subscription. Thanks for listening. Have a bloat free, fabulous holidays. Let's get back to the show.
1: Another important thing. So I'm working on that blog post that we talked about. I was hoping to like get it up, but I was just so busy. But there are lots of baby rental companies that will meet you at the airport or meet you at your hotel. So you don't have to. My friend it. did
0: this, baby quip, right, baby quip, right? Is
1: one of them? Yeah, that is one of them. We used them when we went to New York, which was amazing. And we didn't bring all of the stuff with us, which was really nice. And it was just waiting for us at our hotel. And then we just left it at the hotel and they came and picked it up. So if you don't want to travel with all of those things, then, you know, you have options. And I think a lot of people don't know that too. Yeah. but sometimes, Even the hotel. Yeah. But I love traveling with our stroller and car seat because there are like little hacks. Like I said, like if you are getting on a flight and there are any extra seats, you can have that baby and a seat, but you have to have your car seat with you. So those are like little things that people don't recognize that they don't know. If you're, you know, doing a long haul flight, there's an opportunity to get a bassinet for your baby so that your baby can sleep on the plane, but it's first come first serve. So international flight. So those are like little things that if you've never traveled with the baby, you wouldn't know that I've learned through trial and error, but they're huge things. And so You just reminded me last week, like I need to be sharing more of the things that I know. That's that imposter syndrome. Yeah, I told everyone you knew
2: more than Google. Google (laughs) couldn't I waited online, I or I waited on a phone call for hours trying to get through to the airline just to ask them how it worked to like, I there is no explanation of how it works when you actually gate check your stroller. Nobody actually tells you. Cause I was like, I can't check luggage. I don't have time because when I was landing and where I needed to be was too close. So checking your luggage can often mean like waiting for up to an hour. To, I've been two hours before. So people were like, how are you not going to check your luggage? And I'm like, I think, I think there's a way, like I'm either going to rent things on the other side or, and then I learned about the gate checking thing, which, and you said that get the bags. Amazon has these gate checking bags. We put over things and all of my extra stuff, like our jackets and blankets. I just put it in the car seat and put it in the bag and they still gate checked it. Everything was good to go. They were all fine with it. There was no arguments there whatsoever. And then, you know, it met us when we caught off. So we had no point where we had to like lug her really around except for literally taking those two steps on the, and then coming off. And then when we got to the hotel, like when we booked the hotel, we asked for, most people don't know, you can request a crib or a play pen or play yard, I guess they're called now in the hotel room had no idea. So we get there and there's a full like crib there. There was like baby lotions and stuff. So all the stuff that I was like, thank goodness I didn't pack all of this was all ready for us at the hotel and we were good to go. So I literally went away with my baby and I checked zero luggage. Everything was carry on and we did the whole thing. And I'm pretty proud of that. And
1: the fact that all of those things were available to you should let you know that people are prepared for mamas to travel with their babies.
2: Yes. Yes. People, honestly, I I guess I wish that there was a, like I said earlier, I wish there was a lot more positive stories and experiences that make you feel empowered to the possibility of doing it because it shouldn't it shouldn't be that the decision is made through fear and anxiety but it should be made based on your own needs and capacity do you have financial and emotional and like physical capacity to bring your kids with you is that something you want to do and if so know that the possibility and the support is there i was blown away at the support of other people i had brought a friend with me to help and that was obviously very very helpful but at the end of the day was Overall, I believe through the community experience of other people, it worked, It was going to work out no matter what.
1: People love babies and children, and I think like when you are willing to share them, like they just bring so much joy. And especially during this time, when I was on the plane with Courage and Wisdom a couple of days ago, because um, we were traveling at the same time. Actually, everybody was like, "Oh my gosh, they're so cute!" and they were just like so impressed by them. And I think like more people. And, and I think I believe this truly about almost everything in life. I think more people want to be helpful. I think people want to do good and, and be kind to people. I think it's just those people who are awful that, we, that are the loudest. And they're the ones that we hold on to. But generally, people want to be helpful. They want to be kind. They want to do good. They want to do right by other people. And they're just looking for an opportunity to be able to do that.
2: Hmm. Oh, that's so, that's so, so true, man. You're wise. Okay. I have to ask you this final question before we go, because I know everyone's probably curious. Tell me about your children's names, my kids' names. Okay. So because it's truly unique wisdom, courage, and glory. And it just, I know you've told me this story privately, but I would love for you to kind of share about your kids' names.
1: Yeah. So, okay. So full names, wisdom, Milan, adore Haynes, Courage Kairos Adore Haynes and then Glory Aiti Adore Haynes. And my my best friend, my sister Melinda, she had her daughter Lyric first, who is going to be 14 years old. And she was my very first vision of a woman who had it all, basically, motherhood and entrepreneurship. And it was by watching her that I was like, I want to have a baby too. And so when wisdom was born. Uh, I I just knew that wisdom was going to be her name. I felt like that was the thing that got me to the point that I w- was in life. Like wisdom had guided me to this moment. And then her middle name was Milan after my sister, but my sister gave her her second middle name. Well, gave her both her middle names and she named her after her daughter Lyric. And so they had that middle name. And then a year later, my niece Honor Smile was born and she kept the middle name thing going. And so it's like Lyric Sorador, Wisdom Alana Adore, Honor Smile Adore. And then my niece Freedom was born and she's Freedom Song Adore. And then I had Courage. I had Courage after I had almost died from the viral flu. I'd gone into heart failure. And so her name, obviously Courage is like facing fear, you know, Um, and then Kairos means God's appointed time. So it was like courage at the right time. And for me, her name represented like that season of life after, after getting that heart failure diagnosis and then being told I wouldn't have any more children. And then here she was. And I had fought really like hard to have her. Like I had to change so much about my life so that I could get pregnant again. And then my nephew power was born and then glory was born, um, and her name is Gloria Aieti Adore. And right after Courage was born, I found out that I was Haitian, half Haitian. And my father's family, this is like a super long winded explanation. But so I named her Glory Aieti Adore. And IET is ha- uh, Haiti in Taino, it's original language. And she actually was born on the anniversary of the big, huge earthquake from 2010. We didn't realize that until oh. days later, like we're like January 12th. That date's important and then we found out it was the earthquake anniversary. So I feel like all of their names represent the different seasons of our life and the things that happened. when wisdom was born, we were just starting small business. we were really like having to do so much and having to like learn so much and she just is like a representation of that season of life. And then when Courage was born, our life had completely been turned upside down and we had to really fight forward through so much to get to that point. And now like we're in one of the best seasons we've ever had and glory was born. And, and I feel like their names just are like markers, seasons of our life. And I'm seeing that as I look at them, as I'm watching them. But the biggest thing that I have gotten from their names is watching them interact. And as I'm calling them, right, like wisdom, courage, glory, wisdom, courage, glory. I realize that wisdom needed courage. She she can't wisdom cannot she cannot act without courage, and courage needs wisdom to slow her down. And they are exactly the way they are. Wisdom is like very cautious and a little nervous, and courage is wild and crazy. And they work so beautifully together. And when it was only the two of them, it was so nice to kind of see that exchange. And now that glory is in the picture, I almost feel like you need wisdom and courage to get to the glory. Like that's how I feel about them. Like she's like the culmination of. She's like the final piece, I guess, of, of who they are, of our little trio. So I delight in them and of all the things I've done in my life. they're
2: the thing That I'm makes the me most, so emotional. Uh, and I just feel
1: so honored to like be their mom and to be able to change my story through them.
2: You are such a beautiful mother and such a, be- like, I got like really choked up when you were talking about their names and the markers of, who they are, and through your own story, and like ending on glory. I remember the day Glory was born, and I remember that first little picture that you sent of me, and I just wept. I just wept and wept and wept. And and a lot of people don't realize this. Well, I've shared it multiple times, but you know, every morning I share a little picture and video of Lemmy and her daily outfit, and people were like, "Oh, this this really does something to you. Like it does. It it picks you up in the morning. It's like." something that's really good for our mental health. And we forget the power of children and how special they are and how needed they are. And I feel like a lot of times our society is somewhat erasing them. Like they're, they're excluded from so much and the experiences. And I had to remind people, like I only ever realized how important it was to share children because of the way that you shared glory in the morning. And I just found in the hard days of like postpartum, I would just like go through your stories and I'd see that little video of Glory every morning. And I was like, this is actually impacting me. And our children deserve to, I don't know, like not that everybody needs to share their kids in that way, but I saw the power in it, Them like through watching your children. And like, I feel like I know them. It's so bizarre, but I feel like I know them. It's been the such an honor. Me.
1: Like when I see her, right? I just, I'm like, I love this, this human that I've never met. Like, and I feel I so know. like drawn to her and so tied to
2: her. It's crazy. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's, it's so magical. And I just think like, I think it's motherhood in itself is such, it can be such an isolating experience. And I, I started blogging because I was lonely. I started blogging because I needed connection with other mothers. And here I am all these years later, millions of people watching and witnessing. And it still was a relationship with you that brought me back to my core of like, we need each other. And if only the spaces you can find it is in like online corners of the internet, there are people out there that are, are willing to share and experiences with you. And it can be truly so beautiful. Tash, you're one of my favorite follows. I'm personally going to ask everybody to go and check out her page. Uh, You're not going to ask it. So I'm going to ask it. Your Instagram is it's Tash Haynes. It's H-A-Y-N-E-S. You will never come across a more authentic, genuine, bold, incredible creator than you will Tash. And I will scream it from the rooftops forevermore because you changed my life through just sharing your joy. (laughs) No, you have, you have, you have like it just honestly, one of like who I consider one of my best friends. And it's just like, it's so hard. Like there's imposter syndrome in that even theory, because I'm like, we've never met. We're just like, we DM and do voice notes all the time. And we shared really like you were the only person I shared like baby name with. Like we, we had our like baby name day where we shared with each other and both like sobbed over it. It's been such a special experience with you. And I think like everything you do is so incredible. So give everyone else wherever else they can find you. Cause I know you've got that blog post coming as well. Maybe it'll be live by the time yeah. that we, this comes right.
1: out. That wouldn't be a miracle. Sorry guys. I just realized that my computer
2: was gonna die. Whew. Oh my gosh! No, no worries. Be the
1: worst. So I'm I'm mostly on Instagram. I'm trying to do all the things that everyone says we should do, but I'm also about to be 40, and I don't have time for that. I want to like be able to eat with my kids. So find me on Instagram. It's Tosh Haynes. There, that was the sweetest thing. Thank you. And uh, my blog is actually named after the girls, so it's just WisdomEncouraged.com. Ah. Uh so excited.
2: Thank you so much, Tash. Thank you for getting up early because I misinterpreted time zones once again. (laughs) And uh, I appreciate you. And I mean, everyone needs to stay watching because Tash and I are actually up to something. We're hoping to toast some sort of an online birthday party for our girls in some way that we can give back to community. We're planning that right now. It'll happen sometime in the new year. I, I'm saying it vocally now so that we can't back out. <laughs> we're definitely, we're going to do it. We're, gonna do it. we're going to do it. We're going to do something good
1: in their names.
2: Yes, we are. And then at some point, we're going to get these babies together for a play day. and us too. We're going to, we're going to have a good time. Tash, thank you so much for your time, for sharing your story, for giving us confidence to bring our kids into our worlds and for everything that you do online. It's, you're just truly such a special human. So thank you so much.
0: Thank you for having me.